Remember the simpler times in the 90s? The bygone days of Beanie Babies, affordable homes, and endless stream of John Grisham books being turned into blockbusters? Hey, remember Blockbuster? Whether you're looking for a hit of nostalgia, a laugh, or just learning about some of the behind-the-scenes insanity of working in a porn shop the day before Christmas, you have to check out the Talkbuster podcast. An awesome podcast where every episode, Chris Chipman sits down with a guest to talk about the good and the bad of those bygone days. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich and with me as always is... The Shield Brother Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? Going well. <laughs> How's it going with you? Ah, oh, I can't, I can't complain too much. I mean, I, I could mean, always complain more. I was going to say I could, but I don't, I don't want to go into it right now. <laughs> I don't really have anything specific to, to share, it's just, it's a fine day. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. No, I'm just, I don't want to go in low energy into a big episode like this, so I'll keep it to myself. Okay. So, anyways, before we get into today's topic, we're going to do our roll call, our patron sound off, our list of honors, if you will. These people support and keep the podcast running, and in exchange, we like to just read their names at the start of every podcast. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brandon Angle, John Vittles, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Dona Lucy, Carson Mel, Scott Rim, Derek Takai, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join the Illustrious Legion, head over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. A dollar a month is all we ask. We'll get you early access, but if you're feeling generous, go ahead and join us at the $5 tier to get extra bonus content and best of all we'll actually see some of that money and patreon won't take it all for itself well Anyways. If, you, if you read the title you know what's the deal but if you're just listening to this and didn't read the title i mean that happens to me all the time my podcast this is our episode 150 yep we have done 150 episodes of geeks with shields now i specify geeks with shields because with all the bucklers and bolters yeah, we've done a lot more than 150 recordings but 150 main episodes yeah we're, we're not counting the rest of those because i don't want to <laughs> <laughs> that's fair it's our podcast let's do what we want <laughs> so we had a hard enough time like we got to 150 like what should we do for 150 and we're like oh fuck we just had the sixth anniversary that was all our good idea juice kind yeah <laughs> sure well especially because we're coming right off of it you know it's funny because Lorca and I talked about it. it was supposed to be like a break, but I feel like we didn't really stop recording at all. So it wasn't really a break. <laughs> no, like Slagathor gave me shit about that. She said, every year you say you're taking a break and then all you do is work through the break. I'm like, well, it's a break from editing and uploading. That doesn't mean we stop working. <laughs> all right. I didn't question it. I just go with it. <laughs> yeah. But no. so Ulrich had a couple ideas. He ran them past me. I uh, picked out. I, didn't really, I pointed at the one. I was like, I think we could do something with that. And then that was a long time ago. And we kind of forgot about it for a while because we knew 150 was coming up. And and so then like earlier this week, he reminded me and sent me the list of, of what we're going to be talking about today. I picked it out and ready to go. So if all that ambiguity annoys you, then what we're going to be covering today, this is a, I don't know what the right term for this is. This is basically a pat ourselves in the backs kind of conversation, which is a little annoying. I know a little self-aggrandizing. We're just talking about each of our five favorite things that we've recorded episodes of this, that is, and the stipulation that we're not talking about things with guests because yep. it gets tricky when you introduce guests. Well, we've had some really great guest episodes and we don't want to make people feel left out like, Oh, 
why why wasn't I on that list? It's like it's because you suck, but we don't want to say that out loud. <laughs> I don't feel like we've had like any sucky guests, but that's besides the point. So it's just easier to have it. So these are each of our personal five favorite episodes we've done that were concerning topics that were just me and Ulrich. Ad- admittedly, maybe one of mine had a guest that I don't remember it because the list of episodes didn't always include the guests. I just so I apologize if that ends up happening. So it's funny, like going back and looking through this, there's a couple of fun things I noticed. Most of my like personal favorite episodes have been with guests. I'm like, oh, that's some really good Same. guest episodes. And then also to watch my patterning change from I listed, you know, early ones. It was just the title. Maybe I put if there was a guest in there where the later ones, if there's a guest, it typically goes in the header. But it, I don't know, it was interesting to look at and see just my own personal shift in how I, you know, what the titles were, how the titles worked. And how I kept track of them. And so let's get right into it. We got 10 mini topics to get through. About an hour under to uh, to get through them. So that's we're looking at maybe six minutes a thing at most. So why don't we just kick right off, right? I'll, I'll start, which is my, the number five on mine is our Spider-Man villains episode. Where we discussed Spider-Man's villains, why they work, why they work in comparison to Spider-Man and to other comic book characters. It wasn't really anything complicated. It was just an excuse for me to talk about Spider-Man, really. Yeah, no, that's when we were doing tier lists. And we're like, there's some really great Spider-Man villains. Then there's some just absolute shit ones. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, it's generally accepted that Spider-Man has one of the top three best rogues galley. It's usually like Batman and Spider-Man. And then a lot of people like the Flash and Superman's rogues galleys. I like Superman's a little better. But point is, Spider-Man and Batman basically have the best villains. Yeah, but no, that was that was a fun one because we got to really dive in like, oh, yeah, I haven't thought about this character in ever. And oh, well, are they really do they belong here or are they are they better than like Green Goblin? And I, and I remember, yeah, and I remember us discussing because, again, we were tiering them. We gave each of them like a, you know, a, a standard like letter tier. And I remember like you and I disagreed a little bit on Sandman, not a big one, but I, I want to put him higher we basically agreed about Green Goblin, but for different reasons, because as we yep. said before, Ulrich sees Green Goblins kind of in context of the Thunderbolts, as whereas I see him in context of Spider-Man first. And I remember we both were like, Lizard is king. Lizard is amazing. <laughs> it's a cool design. It's a cool story. We disagreed on Shocker, and I was like, I just have like, this weird love of Shocker, even though he's just a, he's a really dumb villain. But that's kind of why, I, I probably said this in the recording, that's kind of why I love him, because Spider-Man is at you know, at his core, a villain of the week kind of hero. Not that he can't have, you know, big, crazy stories, but him being a high schooler dealing with high school problems while also trying to be Spider-Man is an inherent, fundamental part of what makes him great. When he gets older, it's just different problems, college problems, work problems. So Shocker being an idiot and basically just an evolution of the bank robber, it's not, I mean, Sandman is that too and a better version of it, but I'm just saying Shocker is that and that works. Yeah, now Shocker's fun. So yeah, that was a fun episode. We need to bring that back as a format because there are still lots of superhero rogue galleries to break down, teams to break down, characters. And you, yeah, you could almost say that this spot is also my us doing tier list thing. Like it wasn't listed, but we did a, a big woman tier list for a hangout one time. Yep. And but that falls in the same kind of category where we just go through a list of interesting things to talk about and tier them. Yeah. Our big woman tier list wasn't technically an episode, even though it released it yeah. wasn't officially an episode. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. 
I don't really have much more to say about it. It's just Spider-Man, and this is the, the placeholder for tier lists. Yep, we'll get some more of those done, because that was a lot of fun to do. And they're actually not too hard to throw together. True. It is funny, afterwards, after we did our Big Woman tier list, I, I was watching One Piece recently, and I realized that I put in by far the wrong One Piece woman, and there's a much, much, much better one. But too late. <laughs> I mean, there's no thing saying we couldn't go back and do another tier list, but... Yeah. Anyway... Or what's your number five? Uh, my number five is episode number 38, which is our Toys of the 90 or our first toy episode. Did I? I feel like I would have just been talking a lot about Teenage Mutant Turtles in that one. So that, that probably what I did. It was Teenage Mutant Turtles. And that's where we, we kind of got into I do not like Legos. All right. And that became because right, I'm an engineer. You made a bit about me. Must I must have liked Legos because I'm an engineer, which, you know, I did. But. <laughs> yeah and no like this whole big thing because it even came like chris came on for the first time shortly after and he's like dude why don't you like legos i just imagine you stepping on them and getting mad no it's not that it's that they're really stupid expensive mm. oh okay that's fair and to me i view them as a modeling kit like i am the monster that would happily glue my lego sets together and everyone oh, you're the villain from the Lego movie, I see. Yes, but that's the way they're supposed to be. They're scale modeling kits and they look cool when they're all. And I'm not going to spend $100 on a kit just so I can have random bits to build shit later with. I don't want to pay $100 or more for a Lego kit that will essentially just become spare parts for me to build something with later. It's a modeling kit. It's meant to be a scale model. I think... And I probably said that I feel like I'm going to say this sentence a lot. I probably said this in the recording because, you know, that's how brains work. But I think it depends entirely on what kind of Legos you're getting, because if you're getting those Legos that are like very specifically a like a nativity scene kind of thing. I can get where you're coming from. But to me, they're the joy of Legos is in the experimentation and the, the building, the activity of building, not in the having built something and then looking at it. No, even as a kid, I was that way. It's like, no, I got the submarine kit. I want to build a submarine to have a submarine. And I always hated it because the minute those pieces start falling off, I am left with nothing. Whereas I never once got a kit that had an intention. I got a pillowcase full of assorted blocks and I would figure out what to make with them. Yeah, and that's fine, and that's fun, but that's why Legos never really worked for me. Uh, we talked about the much-overlooked other building set, Connects, which were my jam. I probably talked about Silly Putty, because yep. I played a lot you of Silly You talked about Putty Silly Putty, like you had a big speech about the greatness of Silly Putty. It's amazing, because I, I, I always hated like slime or, or things like that, but Silly Putty hit that perfect like middle section of all right it's malleable so i can make things with it but it's not really messy i just gotta wash my hands like lightly afterwards and it's fine and you could do cool things like pull up ink although you would ruin your silly putty over time and i'd always end up getting multiple of them mush them together and fit them in one egg and they, they were bouncy and just yep. it's, a, it's a magic dough is what it is Again, I'm not saying anything bad against silly putty but even there your love of silly putty just comes bursting out yeah, silly putty was great. I still have. I have an egg uh, right next to me in my uh, my desk somewhere. I don't know where, but I have a green egg that I got from a local like arcade a couple of years ago. Nice, but no, this was one of our very early episodes. It was just us having fun, being nostalgic for toys of our childhood. Yeah, which by the way, I mentioned turtles. If you go back and look at like '90s turtle toys, that they just went insane. They did. <laughs> I had a Donatello 
who was covered in like weird cyborg parts and he had a a launcher in his chest to to launch little pizza discs that wasn't like from anything that was just an excuse to have a turtle that also shot little discs yep then they went big on that no that was again this is one of our first it was a just for us episode like hey let's be nostalgic and talk about how great our childhood toys were and how like fundamentally flawed designs were because if we didn't talk about micro machines we should have oh you brought it up you yeah definitely brought micro machines because i, I love that. micro machines but you always lost them because they were fucking tiny well i remember that when i was young i always thought anything rc was the coolest shit but i can yep. never get my hands on anything rc because it was you know kind of expensive compared to that i grew up pretty poor yeah i had a lot of hand-me-down stuff not handed out for my cousins and other people and whatnot. And like, I always wanted an RC plane. Like RC cars were cool, but I always wanted an RC plane. I never got one. RC planes are expensive and they always end up in the same place. Trees. I, I believe that, but I never got to experience it. <laughs> my brother got an RC plane one year for Christmas. And after an hour, it ended up in a tree. Uh, and I, I always wanted a plane too, not an RC helicopter. Oh, like, RC helicopters are a bitch. They don't fly. Like you learn why helicopters are such weird, tinkery, weird machines. They don't fly normal. Yeah, they, they are. I mean, just trying to maneuver one in a video game is difficult enough. But yeah, like helicopters can be cool, but they're just not as fluid in their motion as as planes are. And I always wanted that. <laughs> and of course, I we probably talked about like super soakers. Right, yep. Super guns. Soakers, we talked about the arms race of Nerf that missed our generation, Nerf which isn't fair. Uh, which is funny, because in college, I, I got to have a little bit of that, because at one point in my college dorm was covered in Nerf darts. <laughs> yeah, because it came back around like in our 20s, because our generation went, wait, this isn't fair. I didn't have these Nerf guns when I was a kid. Ours shot soft foam balls with the speed of a butterfly's flapping wings. Yeah. Now you can get a Nerf sniper rifle or a Nerf minigun. It's yeah. ridiculous. No, the Nerf arms race. Uh, we discussed Transformers toys about how we kind of missed, but we still loved the Beast Wars Beast toys. Wars. I had I had so many Beast Wars toys. I had a, I remember playing so much. I had a proper Gen 1 Beast Wars Optimus Primal toy like full size that thing was amazing and i had a, a transmetal 2 cheetor that had like the big rocket launcher thing on its back that thing was awesome too yeah if you want an idea of what this episode was this was just us like hey do you remember this toy like oh fuck yeah i remember the toy or i never had that one but i always wanted it it's basically what we're doing i feel like <laughs> now that's what this episode's turning into just a little little bit of a, a slice into what each of the episodes was like this is the hot <laughs> this we've Come in front of this is our this is our clips episode. Our, our clip show, <laughs> the Geeks with Shields clip show might be a good subject. I might call this that, but I don't know how many people like. I feel like the clip show has gone out in subsequent generations. I don't know. Like yeah, when was the last time you saw a proper clip show in like a new show? I think the last time I saw was maybe How I Met Your Mother. No, the only the most recent one was Community, where they were using clips from episodes they never filmed. Yeah, but that's that's not that's not that's, a, a, that's the closest they came. Yeah, it's a parody of a clip show. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I mean. Like clip shows aren't a thing anymore because sitcoms don't do full seasons anymore. They don't have enough. It's like you got four seasons and thirty episodes. You're done. Man, I I feel like a proper season of television should be more than twenty episodes, but I, like I one for every two weeks in a year. Just anyway, it is incredibly frustrating to watch these major streamers relearn the lessons they learned in broadcast television like yeah. you need to fill a schedule anyway moving on to 
<laughs> to not get stuck in that old man rant because we could easily. Yes. My next one is when we actually covered American Gods. And simple reason, this is, I don't know whether it still is for Auric, but at the time we both listed it as our favorite books. Yep. It still is my favorite book. So this one was funny because I remember this one very distinctly. We talked about it. We're like, hey, we're going to do American Gods. We're going to talk about season one. We're going to talk about season two. And you came in and some others, a miscommunication. You did not know to watch season two. Yeah, I had no idea. I thought it was just we were talking about the book. So it was me describing season two to you and like, oh, they did that. Oh, that's fucked up. Why'd they do that? Yeah, because for anyone who didn't actually know any about this season one of American gods was okay. It yep. made it, I'd argue it's actually pretty good. It makes a couple changes that are, that are actually kind of good. A couple changes that are not so good. And then it ended in a really weird, huge departure from the book. And I had no interest in season two. Ulrich Ben watched it and basically told me about how much of a butcher job it did. <laughs> yeah, no American gods probably goes down in my great book of worst adaptations of a book to TV series ever. Even you say it that specifically, sure. I, I feel like from book to TV series. Yeah, okay. I'm just trying to think of like what I think are the worst adaptations of anything ever. And I, I might either go with the last Airbender movie or Aragon, but I'm not a, I didn't read Aragon, so that's just going off of secondhand knowledge. See, American Gods works because I love American Gods in a way that I love Avatar, but Avatar still exists is fine. I don't ever want to see it in live action. I don't think it works in live action. Same thing kind of goes can, But different conversation. Yeah. But yeah, American Gods is important to me. Like American Gods yes. actually shaped how I how I conduct myself and what my own philosophy about life is. Yep. And, and without going into belief system conversation. <laughs> yeah. But it also feels the most easy onboard ramp for this will make a great TV show. Here's and your script. And away you go. Real simple. One-to-one. -one. Yeah, and season one seemed to be going in that direction. And again, what changes it did make were in service of doing things like... There's a character in American Gods uh, named Laura who is... Not a character. Important. Yeah, important, but in the book, she's not a character at all. She she's She's a plot device, and she is important for making certain things happen in the story. And so the show goes out of its way to give her more make her more of a character that's a decision i i can get on board with they pair her up with mad sweeney a character who spoiler for the beginning of american gods doesn't make it out of the beginning of american gods again not really a character just kind of a fun throwaway like oh he's a giant leprechaun and a bit of a bastard yeah. okay so they pair so they pair him with her two people who basically were not characters in the book and they work together funk fundamentally really well yeah we get a we get a b plot that's like oh this works and then they just kind of slowly lose it and by season two they're creating new characters and throwing out things and i and never really made it to season like three. there's one episode in season one that's a complete fabrication and it involves the uh the it's the vulcan. God vulcan the roman god and you can tell they they did that just to include like a Greco-Roman figure because that's more well-known than a lot of the other figures they discuss. And it's a great episode, but it was a weird like flag. of uh, How much of this are you going to do? Well, that was fine. It's more when they, again, we're not going to go in. Like we did the whole episode breaking down all the ways it went wrong. And it sucks that the show went as off the rails as it did. And what apparently was as big a shit show behind the scenes with a new showrunner every season until we got to the third season in which they had pretty much 
fired and replaced all of the non-white god actors with not with now white gods. It's like I Gross. I'm not comfortable with that at all, especially what they did to Mr. and Nancy and declaring that Orlando Jones was just his his portrayal was too aggressive for our marketing purposes. It's supposed just, to be aggressive anyway. Yeah. What did they end up doing with Mr. World? I never I don't I never got there. I don't Okay, because I, I knew that from the beginning, and again, I don't want to spoil because the book is fucking great. There is something important about Mr. World that I knew from the beginning well, in a visual medium. Yeah, well, I in the show, they folded Mr. Town and Mr. World into the same character. Yeah. And they just wiped their hands and said, they're the same thing. And he represents, like, the seedy underbelly of the internet. And Well, he's supposed to represent, like, globalization. Well, the fear uh, of the secret organization, the people that are, yeah... Yeah, but there's still that important end story thing they do with him, and I was like, yeah. "How are they gonna? How are they gonna do?" I that? don't. Uh, they never got there because the show ended with they were about to go into Lakewood. Oh, I, I super wondered what they were gonna do with Lakewood, and that was Lakewood. their promise of like, "Hey, this season we're gonna turn it around and make it better." And I'm like, "When you made media a stereotypical Japanese girl and had her have sex with a tentacle monster, I was out." Forgot about that one, but that, I didn't see that part. That happens so, like yeah. that's, that's that's episode two of like season two. They're like, media needs a refresh. Now she's a stereotypical Japanese schoolgirl, and she's going to go have sex with this tentacle monster for reasons. And I'm just like, what the hell? Okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it was a fun excuse to talk <laughs> about my favorite book while also give us a chance to rant about where the show went right and wrong. So casting was good time. for the most part. That first season's casting is almost all spot on. Ian yeah. McShane is Wednesday is perfect. Yep. And even the actor who played Shadow, I don't remember his name, but I really Oh, like yeah. Him. Again, another great one. All right. Uh, my number four is episode number 93, The Return of Warrior Corner, where we did The Medieval Knight. Now, Warrior Corner is a great bit to bring up. So we could, we could mention that the American Gods thing was basically my stand-in for us talking about adaptations and show reviews in general. Warrior Corner here, well, this is basically our stand-in for Warrior Corner, which is something that we... I don't want to use the word invented or pioneer thing because I'm sure other plenty of other yes. podcasts and things have done something like it. But from the beginning, it was something we knew we wanted to do on our own, but we struggled with it a bit because Ulrich is an actual student of history. And I'm just a fan and Ulrich wanted to make sure that he researched it, but he basically worked himself to death to do the first one and create far too strict of a script. And yeah, it basically it was a mini documentary and it didn't work because it took so long to put together. It was just me vomiting facts. So we really kind of abandoned it for a while. And I'm like, we always like we need to come back to Warrior Corner. That was such a good fundamental keystone of the podcast. How are we going to bring this back? What should we do? And we kind of came back on like, well, what if we tweaked it? And we first brought it back with, you know, the night episode a whole lot better. And kind of like it's almost a microcosm for how the podcast itself went. That's why it's on here as well. Yeah, because at the very beginning, the, the podcast was a lot more regimented, or at least that was the angle it was, or it was coming at it from. Yes. And and basically over time, we relaxed, <laughs> yep. which is especially important for Ulrich's mental health. <laughs> well, it was just we were trying. I was trying to make it like how I presumed podcasts were supposed to be done. In that you have an A plot, a B plot, a C plot. You move through these things. Everything should be structured. Everything should be scheduled. I'm like, that's not us. That's not our appeal. Our appeal is that we go off on tangents. We go off on rambles. Sometimes so, we talk a lot about a topic. Sometimes we talk a little about a topic. Yeah. And so when we came back to Return of Warrior Chrono, one of the fundamental things we were like is like, okay, we're still going to talk history because we both like history. But we're going to sprinkle in a lot more of just like 
what is the general idea of this? How is it shown in pop culture? What are the easy things an audience can latch onto that we also don't have to research too hard because it's literally about what people think about this thing? And Medieval Night was super easy to do because there's basically no historical warrior figure more represented than the medieval knight, at yep. least in Western culture. In Western culture, the knight is the beginning, middle, end. Yeah, no, that was a great one. It proved the format. They are still labor-intensive because they do require... I got to look up some... I got to figure out, boil down the key history points. We got to find the social, the pop culture things. Because, again, we still want a certain level of historical like matters. Like I remember you talking about the very specific differences between like French knights and English knights and what we were talking about and what eras, yeah, for example. and the evolution of that. But that one proved it worked. Since then, we've also done one for the Roman legionary. We've got a spin-off one kind of sort in the works, but this was the one that proved that the formula did work and that we could return to it again. We just had to tweak it a little. Yeah. And we have loose plans for other versions of that idea. Maybe a little more well, I don't want to give away the game. But yeah, yeah not, not until it's recorded will we reveal what the next iteration of Warrior Corner is going to be. But they are fun. As long as it, as long as it doesn't make Ulrich's head explode. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's it's drawn the line like this is not a thesis paper. This is a podcast. Exactly. Anyway, that brings us to my number three, which weirdly enough, my number three and Ulrich's number three both cover a similar type of episode. Yeah, I think it's kind of neat. I think which is around the same time. Yeah, but my number three was making the most of your medium, and the reason why this is similar, and we'll I'll just. We'll bring up Orcs in a second, but it's because both my number three and Orcs number three are examples of, hey, I was just thinking about this thing, this weird concept. Does that sound like an episode to you? You know what? I think we can do that. All right. And then we did it. Yep. And so in this case, (laughs) yeah. So in this case, making the most of your medium is something that I had been rolling around in my head for years. This idea of ever since I saw uh, Mob Psycho 100. And watch people talk about how Mob Psycho 100 uses the medium of animation to, in a way that a lot of other animation doesn't. I started thinking about like, what are the strengths of a medium and how, uh, what makes something utilize its medium properly? And so I, I wrote this out in like a, like a two sentence Discord message to Ulrich. And, and I got back, yeah, I think we could work with that. And then like two weeks later, we, we sat down and we just, talked through it it kind of went in some directions i didn't quite expect but that was part of the point it's like hey i have this idea let's just talk about it and see where it goes yeah and it worked as a great example to talk about this is this show or thing that works really best in its medium i think the example we used was like samurai jack being animated in that style Mm -hmm. marriage perfect goes together great uh we talked about avatar potentially straddling both animation and live action because it is martial arts. Well, one of the good examples I remember I use that is as meaningful to you is when you look at the two Fullmetal Alchemist series, I think that one of them, the original, is a lot more medium independent, like it can fit in any medium. And then the other one, Brotherhood, is a lot more reliant on being an anime. Yeah, but that was a great one because we like to talk about some of our favorite things and discuss them like, where's the line? When does this stop working in this medium and start working in this? What is some of the stuff that doesn't work? What isn't that works across all we like Star Wars? Star Wars is iconic enough, no matter the medium, it works. Yeah, and we got to explore like 
what is a usage in a medium that we like. Like I talked about how one thing books can do that basically no other medium can do is go into like insane detail about something, but insane poetic detail about something. Like when Stephen King describes a, a location, like you could show that location in film and you can do some interesting things with film techniques, but it's not the same thing as like the poetic way an author can describe something. Yeah. So it's just it's just a different strength. No, that was a really fun episode that we get. It was kind of a weird. It's a great it's a great us episode because it's like, hey, here's this conversation we would normally just have between the two of us that we just happen to record. And in a similar way, and we can go back and forth here. Ulrich's number three is how do you like your magic? So and, similar concept. He yep. sent me a message of talking about magic systems. And I was like, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> Well, because I think we've, I'm 90% certain we've had this conversation in some degree. Like, maybe we've just talked about, like, cool implement, implementations of magics in various things. And we're like, I really like it in this one where they do it like this. Like, oh, it's really cool. I like it in this one where they're, like, pulling it from this resource. Yeah, like, what makes a magic system entertaining? So in the same way that the Make the Most of Your Medium was basically us exploring, like, how does a medium actually you know deliver on its entertainment it was similar thing so we're talking about ma and we talked about magic in a very broad sense like you know anime power-ups are magic and and like certain kinds of technology and sci-fi are essentially magic it, it just depended on like it's just the general idea for the the fantastical kind of systems yeah and and we were talking about what makes them engaging what makes them entertaining yeah when do they do not work for us you know, what are some of like the really most interesting versions? I talked about one where basically magic is the universe's stand-in for physics. Like you have to do complex mathematical equations in order to cast a spell. I, I, I absolutely would bet that the second you brought that up, I brought up the name of the wind yep. because it does something similar. Which I'm reading that book currently of like and, four other books. I'm and as I said in Discord, once. but I'll put it on recording. I love the name of the wind. It is one of my favorite fantasy books. I would not be surprised if Ulrich likes or if he dislikes it. I can really see him going either way, and I wouldn't be surprised. So far, I'm really enjoying it. It's very well written. The problem is, is unfortunately, I gave myself four books to read, three of which are for the podcast. And I'm like, oh, I have to juggle between all these books I want to read right now. So I'm having trouble getting back around to certain ones. But well, so far, very well written. I don't want to... I don't want to like color your experience at all, but I will say, and this is funny because I'm reading name of the wind out loud to my girlfriend and, and we talked a bit about this. One thing you got to understand about name of the wind is that it's a, it's a world building book or world building story first. Yeah. Like the, the primary reason for its existence is to build a world that Patrick Rothfuss is interested in. Quoth himself is an interesting character, but he's also supposed to be an asshole. And he's kind of supposed to be unlikable for a lot of it. That's kind of the point of him. And once you can understand that and figure out what his usage in the narrative is, it's a lot easier to like to ride with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, so far it's very well written. It was funny. I am in physical therapy for my back right now. And my physical therapist had mentioned this book to me because you know something we talked about like fantasies and like oh you got to read uh in the name of the wind he's like but i gotta warn you it's a bit you know grim and dark and 
<laughs> really isn't. <laughs> and I, I was like, I hope that's not your thing. And I just kind of laughed. I'm like, oh, my dude, you have no idea the type of books I read. And like, fuck, man, I was a history major. I've read real world dark shit. I don't care if it pops up in my fantasy. Yeah. But I mean, the one thing I figured Ulrich would like no matter what is that there is a magic system in Name of the Wind called Sympathy that is very similar to what he described about being like physics. Like Sympathy has very specific, almost mathematical properties that the main character has to like figure out in order to use it. Now that's a whole different system. There's another magic system in that story called naming. That's a lot more ridiculous, but anyway, <laughs> but I think that the one we didn't, we both kind of agreed that didn't work for us is just, I want this to happen. And then it happens. We're like, if it's, if it's God ordained magic, like a God or being does it, that's fine. But if everyone can just go, I want you to shoot a fireball out of my hand and a fireball onto their hand, like, it, it's funny because I feel like they're, is a range yes right? sometimes it works but yeah like there's either explain it enough that i can jive with it or don't explain it at all and just let it be magic oh and we, we talked a... about that too like the boundary between over explaining and under explaining and trying to find that happy medium yeah because that's where i feel like what you just described hits the bad point where it tries to explain it too much but well i think the, the ultimate example of that is metachlorians which i don't think are the uh the fucking black spot that they were considered for a long time. I still don't like them. And I'm glad that they basically shut. But yeah, that's an example of like, we never needed the force explained. Yeah. Period. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was a fun episode. Cause again, that was another one of, we're just going to have a conversation that we would otherwise have and hit record. And these are, I think both good stand-ins for the literal, like, Oh, we're not talking about anything specific. We're just, exploring why something works for us and why something doesn't work, which also gives us an excuse to talk about, you know, properties that we like. And well, I generally feel like when you're listening to two people talk online, you either want fun, negative ranting or fun, like positive exuberation, exuberance. It was a great example of this is what we are like offline. I buy that. That's why this one's on here. Like, this is a great example of this is what we are like offline when we are not trying to perform or put on a show. These are the kind of conversations we generally have. Yes, we sit around and talk about like, hey, man, how do you think magic works in this particular universe? I also argue that these are some are probably our least structured. Well, you made a thing about earlier about how the podcast generally has gotten less structured over time. Actually, we kind of came up from that. We It depends on what we're talking about. But like when we do our 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 lists that have like a number in the title, yeah, those are going to be structured by its very nature. But these kind of conversations are literally just here's a prompt, go. Yep. All right. Anyway, so what's your number three? Well, that was my number three. So now it's my number two, which is uh. I don't remember what the name of the episode is, and I couldn't actually find it because I thought it might have been one of our Halloween specials. But generally speaking, there's like two or three recordings we've done where we talked about our real world stories, how oh, we met. This like is our first anniversary special because it was a Q&A. Mm, I remember that. And it was the, the very first year. And one of the questions was how we met. But I know that we've also done something similar for one of our Halloween episodes where we talked about our personal lives with Halloween. And so this spot here is for recordings we did that were literally just about you and I's real life and friendship because we've, we've done like we did like three or four we've done the first ones our q a and we did another one that was basic it was a buckler i believe where 
basically we shared stories from our past, either where yep. they intersected or where they didn't. Yep, I remember that. That one's probably coming back as a hangout format, so make sure you're in the Discord for the next time we do that. Yeah, but this was taking what we said in the last one even further, because this was like literally just nostalgia stories for my brother and I. Can we fill an hour of us just bullshitting? Hey, you remember that time? Yeah, and we absolutely can. Now, admittedly, I have no idea how enjoyable that is for other people, especially when we're just doing like a remember. But there's a lot of laughs because, you know, we've got shared history. So it's good times. Yeah, that I, I'm not. That's could be any number of them. I know we haven't gone back and done another one like that because while well liked, not a lot of people listen to it. But that is like one of the ones we'll bring up. Like, I love the episode where you guys just bullshitted and shared stories. You guys should do another one of those, which is probably why it's going to come back as a hangout because we love talking about ourselves. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'm. I have been described by Ulrich as a self-hating narcissist, which is weirdly apt. I mean, <laughs> most again, fun fact about most narcissists: there is a degree of self-loathing in there. It's just yeah, I feel like ego. Yeah, I feel like my my balance is different from most narcissists. Like I, I, I lean. You're more a narcissist layer part. cake. Yeah, in which oh, oh. there's narcissism, self-loathing, narcissism, self-loathing, where I am a narcissist jawbreaker in which it's just layers and layers and layers of narcissism. <laughs> I, I like this metaphor. I'm a cake and you're a jawbreaker. I'm cool yeah. with that. <laughs> you, you poke down like, oh, there it is. You're just like, okay, eventually he's going to run out of layers of narcissism, right? Nope. <laughs> no, and you're just going to break your jaw trying to get through it. Yep. It's just, just you know what? Just accept that it is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, you got you got to lick it slowly. <laughs> no licking of me slowly. I do not endorse this idea. The metaphor is going terrible. <laughs> we're gonna be at some convention somewhere. Someone's gonna spot me and run up and lick my face, and then we're gonna file a police report. <laughs> I will smile and laugh when that happens. <laughs> listen, officer. Listen, officer. You gotta understand. He's a jawbreaker, sir. Are you on drugs? No, 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 no. Let me explain. I'm a. No, cake I'm just on narcissism. <laughs> All right, uh, my number two, finding a pattern is uh, number 95 is 10 Reasons Historical Movies Suck. Uh, this is great because, as I mentioned earlier, Ulrich is specifically a student of history. And I don't know a better way to say that because I, I you didn't actually get a degree, right? You did study. No, I studied, but I did not complete my degree. Yeah, there you go. So, like, he was a student of history. And I'm just a fan. I love, like, anything that, you know, like, YouTube stuff that teaches me about interesting history stuff. Yeah. And so this one was interesting because we love movies. We both love history. And Ulrich had a very specific axe to grind. And he still does since we only just recently did a video on we want better war movies. Yeah. For a recording on it. No. I This one, this I love this one. And these are the ones, anytime we get to kind of go back and do, because when this podcast was first engineered, Part of the idea of Geeks with Shields, the idea is like, we'll cover geeky stuff and we'll cover historical stuff. That's why it's Geeks with Shield. Perfect. And then we discovered, eh, historical stuff is a lot harder to do than geeky stuff. So anytime we get to go back and do historically grounded stuff, it's a lot of fun. Like, okay, we find a way to make this format work that won't kill us. Now I feel like we can take the title in a number of different directions. Like, I like the idea of, you know, protecting 
people and communities. Oh, it's definitely grown past that. But again, the original idea when we said on the name was this will perfectly summarize the two things we want to talk about and do. Yeah, I'm just saying that meaning can change over time. Yeah, no, the podcast has grown and changed. And this one was fun because this is also kind of an Ulrich rant episode that I got to like, these are the movies that I want to love or people love. This is why I hate them. These are the little things they do wrong. Now, this one is... If my memory serves me, this was primarily an Ulrich episode, so I was mostly just the sounding board. <laughs> yeah, you kind of got to go like, oh yeah, no, that, that is a thing that, that bugs me, or oh, I hadn't considered that. Yeah, I think there might have been a, only a couple times where I was like, yeah, but I kind of like that. <laughs> mostly because my opinion about historic... I am not the biggest fan of period pieces in general. I have no particular grind against them. I They just don't usually work for me unless there's some very specific period. Yeah, and that's more than fair. Yeah, and it's funny because it's not the ones you'd expect. Like, I am not that... I, I Actually, very specifically, I don't like Viking period pieces because I end up focusing on the stuff that is wrong and it takes me out of the experience. Oh, so I couldn't but, watch Vikings. Yeah, no, that that's also an episode that's on the back burner with an actual expert. That's cool. But yeah, no, Viking ones... I think I even talked about that. Is It's just like... They, they want to be historically accurate, but they also want to cater to pop culture sensibilities. And that leads to weird things that just, that's not how that works. And for that exact reason, you would think that, for example, the Northmen should have been a shoo-in with me. See, the Northmen checks all your boxes. Yeah, but for some reason, because I love Shakespeare and I love Hamlet and I love Vikings and it's Viking Hamlet. I don't know why the Northmen didn't work for me, really. We talked about that in... Yeah, I think the conclusion was it, it's it's too grim and sad. It just wasn't fun. Oh, it it, it is zero fun to be had. Like, but part of what's great about Hamlet is how witty the dialogue is. It's one of the reasons why I've always wanted to play Hamlet because of how fun the dialogue is, even in the sad moments. Whereas Northman wasn't interested in that, which is fine. It doesn't need it. It's just made it but not a movie it, for it me. It balances around because it's epic. Yeah, which just again, it's one of those. I feel like I've said this a lot in the last few years. These are movies. You know, The Northmen, uh, Dune. Um, I just recently saw another a third one like this. But, oh, uh, The Boy and the Heron. These are films that I think are good, but in ways that are not for me. And that's okay. Yeah. Man, and historical movies in general. Huh? Now I kind of want to watch Northmen again. Yeah. I feel like the only... And, and when we talk about historical movies, we were talking about movies that actually take place around some known historical thing. Like, yeah. it's like... A fictitious period piece is not the same thing as a historical movie. Like, uh, I forget. Which one is Master and Commander? Is it based on a real thing? No. Master and Commander is fictitious. It's historical fiction. Yeah. See, that's what I thought, but I didn't want to say that only for you to be like, well, there was a real... I mean, there might Lucky have been Jack. Captain Lucky Jack. Yeah, because like, I love Master and Commander. That's it's because Master and Commander fucking rocks. Yes, it does. It absolutely rocks. And it's one of the best period pieces ever made, honestly, especially when you start looking at behind the scenes. No, it's hand, it's hands down probably the best. I, I'm not I don't, I'm not confident to make that statement, but I'll let you make it. <laughs> Do you remember what your uh, what, like your top reason? OK, wait, we don't want to spoil that because you can go back. Yeah. Do you remember what some of your specific reasons in this episode were? Uh, the big one. Oh, oh, the big one. And again, we saw this with Napoleon. They try and take big chunks of history and cram it down to a nice trim two hour Oscar approved runtime. The classic adaptation folly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was the other one? The battles generally suck. Which we've talked in a couple recordings about how you make good battles or bad battles. Yep. 
Um, the one I talked about already is they try and, you know, appease pop culture sensibilities by, you know, like, well, this wasn't really a thing, but everyone thinks it's a thing, so let's put it in here. I.e. Vikings wearing lots and the Oh, the costumes are bad. Speaking of <laughs> Vikings, Vikings had terrible costumes. You know what's funny? I, I, I feel like it's actually interesting when a historical piece will do specific modernizations, but not when they do other ones. Like, two examples. There's a movie, I don't know what movie it is, but it's got Teddy Roosevelt in it. Not as a main character, just as a side character. But he speaks with nothing approaching an old dialect at all. He speaks in a completely modern dialect. And that took me out of the experience so fast, right? Well, that's like, a separate bugbear. Yeah, but that but that's an example of like that really annoyed me. Compare that to uh, what is the movie where like Kirsten Dunst plays the um, Marie Antoinette? Marie Antoinette, thank you. Yeah, uh, and that one is interesting because it uses a bunch of like '90s pop music, which you normally wouldn't correlate with that era, but it actually really works because the movie's you know, less about the period and more about the character of Marie Antoinette and looking at her through the lens of like a teenage girl. Yeah. Doing the whole teen pop idol thing. I don't. Yeah, so it's like interesting to me. Yeah. I haven't seen that since it came out. I can't speak to if it's good or not, but I do think that was an interesting lens with which to do your movie. Like, Same. Especially if you're I'm, doing Marie Antoinette. Yeah. I'm not going to claim whether the movie is great or not. I don't really remember. I just think that that is the kind of, change to history quote-unquote it's not even really changed that's just a change to how history movies are generally portrayed that is that was pop positive i think yeah no if i want to talk about and this is what i've gotten in people arguments with a knight's tale and they're like yeah. it's the same thing as you know marie antoinette and it's like yeah it is and it isn't yeah i would say it thinks it's the same because i like the knight's tale like i'll defend the knight's tale as a fun stupid movie but it using modern music is not accomplishing the same things Marie Antoinette is. Because the Marie Antoinette movie is using it to literally lens these very specific mentality and age of our main character. A Knight's Tale was more like, well, these songs are popular, so let's just put them in the movie. Like, like I get the idea of having the jousting crowd chanting, we will rock you. But it also breaks my brain of like, but no. Because I think there is a great series to be made that is based around a medieval tournament yeah like game of thrones keeps proving that every time they show a term like you know i could watch six to eight episodes of this you know also though suddenly i love the idea of like a movie where it's about like a, a group of people that come together to make a troop and then halfway of the movie you realize oh this is the story of queen but like done in medieval or something like that, you know, or, or like an old school bard. And then half of the movie, you realize, Oh, this is Elvis, but transported to a different time. That'd be a really interesting idea. I think I can, I can see it. Yeah. Like it wouldn't be obvious. Like you wouldn't get it from the trailer. It'd be something that you just kind of like, piece that's together. one of those movies that would make no money, but would become a huge hit in secondary market when people discovered it. I would fucking love that. Now that I gotta, I gotta parse. We should do an episode talking about this idea more but anyway <laughs> well, i'm just saying like okay we, it, the movie is elvis but a medieval bard but you can't know it's elvis until you're in the movie how the hell would you market that well it's true because the idea basically i i was thinking about like how mother uh for anyone who doesn't know yeah a mother, movie that made no money 
yeah, yeah, it's a good example. But Mother, it, the 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 trailers did not tell you at all what Mother is. Like the trailers, when you think of Mother was just a generic slasher in the middle of like the woods. In reality, it's a massive like critique of Christianity through the lens of essentially playing out the events of the Bible as like literalized metaphor, and that's insane. <laughs> and like when you're in the theater, it's fucking crazy, but. Anyway, I'm talking about the same kind of thing, but for like, oh, I thought this was just gonna be a movie about like a you know a bard, but this is weirdly familiar. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. no, it could work, but who boy, that's uh, oh, it'd be a cult classic. That's at, a cult best. classic, or that's something you get funding for to put on at Sundance. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would love the shit out of that. Anyway, we've uh, hey, rambling and going off of branches tangents. We talked about that, but anyway, we come to my number one. And if anyone knows me, like actually knows me, then there's no question about what my number one would be, which is any of our top 10 movies of the year lists. Yep. The end of the year compilations. Yep. Because I am a massive organization nerd. I love lists. I have a unlimited movie pass so I can go see the movies every week. I normally only go every other week. So I end up seeing like 20 to 30 movies by the end of the year. But then I keep a list throughout the entire year. I have a list of every movie that I've ever seen that I can remember in order currently, which is only like 450 movies, but there are plenty that I've seen that I don't remember well enough to put on the list. So like, I love lists. I, I, the most extreme was one of my favorite shows growing up, which was a, a show about listing the 10 most extreme animals in some, some quality, whether it's speed or strength or something. I, I love top 10 lists. I love top five lists. I love list things and movies are one of my primary engagements activities. So top 10 movie lists, we do one every year and it's the recording that I probably love doing most that doesn't involve guests. So you're just listing any of our top tens we've done. Oh, you're talking yeah. about our end of the year or you're talking about end of the year list. I'm talking about end of the year list specifically. Ah. Now, don't get me wrong. I love any of our top 10. So you could put like top 10 as a general here. But if we're getting specific, it's our top 10 movies list. I'm not going to say any specific year. If I did, it would probably be the uh, 2019 because I'm pretty sure that's is that when in the Spider-Verse came out. I remember there being a lot of good movies that year, but I don't remember. Might but that's it. Is that into the Spider-Verse and Avengers? Or, or, or actually, no, no, it's. It would be the year King of Monsters came out. Yeah. And for one was... reason, because me and you shared our top one. Yeah. And that alone made that my favorite top 10 movie list we've done. No, our doing, the, I look forward to our end of the movie list because I'm always really interested to see not only where I have come out the year, but where you're going to come out the end of the year. And it's a chance to discuss movies and go, this didn't work for me, but maybe it worked for you and go, yeah, it worked for you for this reason. Yeah. And we basically never make a big fuss out of like disagreements i think i think for instance this last year spoiler on one of mine was the dungeons and dragons movie which i knew that ulrich didn't like but we didn't like fight about it which is like oh hey this worked for me didn't work for you all right moving on i i'm really trying to think if there's ever been an example of why the hell is that on your list I've had some movies that you hated and you've had a couple movies that I really didn't like. I, the big example I mentioned earlier was that you had Northman as number one the year it came out and I really didn't care for Northman. Uh, whereas this oh, last year... Barbarian. Had, the year Barbarian came out, we fought about Barbarian. Yeah, because Barbarian was like number seven on my list. The year and I, I still hate Barbarian. Yeah, which is fine. I'm, I am, don't 
that's not a hill I'm going to die on. No, but that was like at the time we argued about it on the podcast. Like that was one of the few rare examples of how dare you. (laughs) But yeah, I, I love top tens. I love our, I love movies. So our top 10 movies of the year is always my favorite thing we do. Uh, That's just me and I'll work anyway. All right. So interestingly enough, my number one, and I went back is number 17, our first gone, but not forgotten. Now, what's funny is Gone Not Forgotten, I do feel like we can say that is our thing. Again, yes. not not to say that there aren't other podcasts that have done something like that, uh, but I don't, this was just our topic. We've been doing it forever. We keep coming back to it. It's our format. I, what do you want from me? <laughs> yeah, no, that's kind of why it's on here is one, is it something we came up with? It is an evergreen return to either for new guests, either for we don't know what to talk about this week. Coming back to this one, it's great. And it was cool to see that we came up with this one within the first 20 episodes. Like, I don't remember. I, I don't want to say whose idea it was because so far back doesn't matter. It was our I'm idea. I'm pretty sure and, you pitched this idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you said it, then I'll go with it. <laughs> if I said it, it would sound narcissistic, right? Getting that, that cake layer. <laughs> Yeah, no, I am fairly certain you pitched this idea. I mean, it would have been me saying, like, what's an excuse to talk about things that we feel like are not talked about very much that we like? Well, I'm trying to because this is early on. So this is I don't know if this is before my daughter was born after somewhere in that idea. But I pitched it to you. I'm like, hey, I need you to come up with like a ch- easy, quick idea for an episode we can do. I haven't had time to think. And, it's like, and you're like. What if we talked about shows that we really appreciate and like that no one else talks about? Which doesn't require any work because they're things that we like already. So yeah. We know about them. And I think Gone But Not Forgotten was like, well, that, that'll be the placeholder name until we think of something better. No, we didn't. And then we didn't because like, wow. oh, no, that yeah. actually really works. These things are gone. But hey, we still remember them. And we've come back. We've discovered like some we've had guests come on and like really open eyes like, oh, I haven't thought about that in ever, which again, proves the theme of the episode perfectly uh like that was one. i think we had bob on and you did or is that bob or chris but you did reaper and they were so amazed that anyone else remembered that show oh uh, i'm pretty sure that was chris i'm pretty sure chris is the one who reacted strongly to me bringing up reaper that feels like chris but yeah that was a great one and like again this is proving what that show is is it also helps connect in those hey i never didn't think anyone else did this. And it's also gotten to be kind of a fun challenge because it's like, all right, I got to think deep. What yeah, I is have a, something. I have a Google Doc of every God but not forgotten topic that I've done so that I don't repeat myself. And so every time we do it now, I got to go to that doc and be like, all right, what have I got? <laughs> it isn't already here. I had the opposite. I had a list um, of anytime I thought of one that would be great, I put it on the list. But I since lost that list. I'm like, oh, I got to recompile that. Yeah, that's why I, I didn't start developing that list until we'd already done like four or five episodes. And that's when I realized, I think I did repeat myself on one topic. I don't remember what it was. It's but something that you love coming back to. I can't remember what it is because you've done it as suggestions of the week, too. It, it might have been like Legend of the Dragoon or something, but because I, I come back to that a lot. But I remember you bringing up like, hey, haven't you already talked about that? And I was like, yeah, I'll talk about it again. Whatever. <laughs> But I try sounds, not to do that anymore. That could be Dragoon, because that does sound like that one. But no, Gobbin Up Forgotten's, it's also fun because it works as the bridging gap between our podcasts are still highly structured, but we're starting to shift more into the free form. That's a good, yeah, because we whenever we go into Gobbin Up Forgotten, we have a sheet that we can both see where we put 
two to four things for each of us. And we don't always cover everything. It's more just like, hey, all right, we got our bullet points here so we can kind of pick in. And they're not in order. We just kind of pick and choose as we go what feels right. But it's still, there is a structure of like, okay, here are the things that we can talk about this time. Yeah, but it's not the whole, we got to make sure we're hitting this time. Or, you know, we only have so much time for each of this. Like, like no, no, this is literally, we're going to talk about this for as long as this needs talked about. Yeah. And it's a, it's a format that I'm glad we still do. Good stuff. Yeah. No, that's again, it's fun. I was looking at number 17 and we're still doing it 150 episodes later. Yep. And that brings us to, we are just under an hour. So we went through this a, a little faster than I might've expected, but I didn't, I mean, I didn't have a whole lot to say about our, like some, a couple of them, <laughs> but these were, you know, 10 episodes that we have done that we loved. And we hope that you listening, whichever ones you listen to, you love them too. Yeah. <laughs> or at least you got entertained. So I am curious what are, I'm not going to ask you to name like top five, but if you're listening, what are some of your favorite episodes that we've ever done? Wasn't there one we did that had like noticeably more numbers than the other ones? There's been a couple that just like spike huge. And I always look at it and go, why that? Yeah. Like I remember that, for instance, like our serial killer episode. Serial killer pretty- episodes did stupid numbers every time we did them. And we don't like doing them. Not that, correct, correction. We always have fun having a conversation, but after the after the first one, we were already like, "Oh, that felt kind of grimy." <laughs> yeah, no, that was almost my number five before I remembered our toy episode. Like, no, no, that one was way more fun. The serial killer ones were fun because it's kind of history. It is history, and we always like, okay, this is the last year. We're not doing them anymore. And then the numbers think- would come in, and we're like, okay, people still want this. We'll do it again, but this one's the last one. And then the numbers came in like, okay, we're going to yeah. keep doing these till people stop turning in. And eventually they did. I think I remember, I think during our second one, I discovered that the the serial killer who has the like fifth highest confirmed body count is someone who is at large because they escaped from prison in South yep. America. Like when I found that out, I was like, ah, oh, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> Yeah, and his nickname was like the Pickler or something. I, I don't I think it was something better than that, but it was because it was like the binder. Uh, the, it was something in Spanish. I think it sounded yeah. better in Spanish, too. And he was but a still, horrifying was like, dude. Yeah, it's like he's alive, probably, and not incarcerated currently. It's like, I, that's no, the one I remember that haunts me. He was like the co-ed killer, I think. And he, a Krug had brought him on and he was like six foot six and had an IQ of almost 200. Kemper. Edward Kemper. Yeah. And yeah, oh no, I still remember Kemper. Like I I went and looked him up afterwards. There was a movie made, like with an actor playing him, and the fact that the guy is so smart, he like he's very aware of who he, he's terrifying. And yeah, Ed Kemper is terrifying. No, at his own bail, you know, uh not bail uh parole hearing, he said, I'm not eligible for parole. Why? Because the world's not ready for me yet. Oh, sweet Jesus, no. And he basically owns the prison he's in. Yeah, like he used uh, positive reinforcement to adjust the snoring patterns of his, you know, fellow inmates. And yeah, anyway, fascinating our... stuff. Not we fun call... episodes. Here, we'll call serial killers our honorable mention for both yeah. of us because it's like I know I did numbers. It's fascinating. I never forget that we did it, but I don't want to do it again. <laughs> yep. Nope. People stopped tuning in for those ones. We happily retired that one. Anyway, let's move on to our suggestions of the week. Now that we've covered all the episodes, these are just 
things that we have been engaging with recently that we're recommending. And I'm going to get mine over real quick because it doesn't need me to talk about it, which is I just bought Tekken 8 on Friday and I'm loving it. I mean, I'm a fan of fighting games and uh, it's not like with Street Fighter 6. I recommend that even to people who don't like fighting games because Street Fighter 6 has amazing single player stuff. Tekken has a lot of con Tekken 8 has a lot of content, but I do feel like this is a game, you know, for at least casual fighting game fans. But I didn't play Tekken 6 or 7. I played 2 through 5 growing up. I, I had no interest in 6 or 7. It caught my attention. So if you were out there like me and you have fond memories of playing Tekken 3 or 5 and didn't get involved with 6 or 7 probably because of how the competitive scene was, 8's fun. It's got a really cool story mode and good episode mode and it's, it's Tekken. It's good stuff. No, I just saw a trailer for Tekken 8 and my I literally said out loud like, wait, they're making a new Tekken? Didn't they just make a new Tekken? And my daughter reminded me, no, Daddy, that's the old one. We should need to get this one, too, because my daughter plays Tekken 7. Because Slagathor yeah. loves Tekken. And she awesome. saw that, and she's like, oh, no. like We're not buying a new Tekken game, but I'm glad that you recognize this wasn't, in fact, a new one because she saw characters that she liked. I mean, I'm going to have to play Tekken with, uh, with Maya next time I come visit. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. It's like... That she remembered that she, you know, remembers Tekken, remembers who the new characters are, and recognized it as a new version. That's awesome. That's really cool. I, that, that makes my heart warm. <laughs> I, I just thought it was hilarious. But kids, I remember as a kid, I love fighting games because they're fun, even if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. I also love Tekken because it's got the characters I care about. Like, don't get me wrong, I played a lot of Street Fighter. I played a bit of Mortal Kombat. I played a lot of Guilty Gear, but each one of them has like one or two characters I care about. Tekken's got like six or seven that I want to learn, and that's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Good designs, good characters. All right. Uh, I'm going to talk about an awesome little horror movie I just saw on Hulu and introduce my new grading system of Axel Safe or not Axel Safe, meaning how scary or intense is this movie? Is it Axel yeah, because Safe I, or not Axel Safe? Yeah, because I like the concepts of horror movies. But I do not enjoy the adrenaline of a flight or flight fight or flight response. It's not enjoyable to me, so I don't like being scared. I like horror movies that are interesting or cool, but I'm not really interested in like actually being scared. Yeah, I will deem this one an Axel safe movie, and it's called No One Will Save You. Go on. I, I'm iffy on the title, but I. I eh. Anyways, it's about this woman who's living in this house all by herself. And she's obviously kind of ostracized from her community. And it's not really explained why at first. And then one night her house is invaded by aliens and they try and abduct. And the big thing that makes this movie really interesting to me is there's zero dialogue. There is no talking whatsoever throughout the entire movie. It is all conveyed through music and score and her general body acting to convey emotions as things continue to escalate and it gets more and more. And we kind of also... So it's a, it's a Tartakovsky horror movie. Yes, very is. much so. And the alien designs are really cool and different. Like, they're the standard grays that we're all familiar with. Sometimes you go with classic designs. But one of the most things that just made my skin crawl was they have hand feet. Uh, or finger toes, rather. Okay. Like, their toes look like fingers and they stand up on them. Right, and it's creepy. so deeply unsettling on such a simple, profound level. And it just kind of continues to escalate. And it does this great job of, oh, she's fine. She's safe. And oh, no, here comes the second wave of it. My only real complaint issue with the move is it doesn't make clear the stuff that's kind of unclear. And it makes abundantly clear what you will have figured out 
by about the halfway mark of the movie. Like, you'll figure out why she's been ostracized from her community, but they don't really explain what's going on with the aliens, and it's kind of frustrating. But I give it a pass because it's really cool to see a horror movie that does so much with silence. Yeah, I mean, I instantly thought of Hush when you said yes. that. Well, it's that same thing. This is a home invasion because the aliens are literally invading her home. But it's an alien invasion as opposed to a slasher invasion now. Yes. So she has to be quiet, but it's just like, oh, man. And you just keep waiting for them to talk. Like, eventually, you're like, well, someone's going to say something eventually, right? Right? Never happens. I'm like, this is awesome. I love this. This is really cool. I mean, that sounds up my alley that I just would need an excuse to watch it. And I I don't have a lot of that right now. <laughs> again, again, finger feet. Just haunt your nightmares. What's it available on? Uh, Hulu. This is one of those Hulu. They got it when they bought Fox and then just quietly dropped it on the platform. Oh, and by the way, just to add to that, uh, Tekken's available on basically any system and it has crossplay. So it doesn't matter what system you get. Ooh, crossplay anyway. is good. I like crossplay. Crossplay needs to be on more things. Agreed. Which is why I think this is the first Tekken game to have full crossplay, which is really awesome. They're so behind on that. It's ridiculous. Anyways, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things so that we can get to episode 200 because we really are counting on people continuing to tune into this podcast. And we are on a lot of podcast hosting sites. I don't know them all. I used to keep a list, but now it's just like, hey, we're probably on the one you like. And I mean, you have to be listening to us somewhere right now. And thank you for that. But if there's a, you know, a hosting site that we're not on that you want us to be on, well, tell us about it, and if they don't try to like charge us some exorbitant amount, we'll probably we'll make it happen. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich and his shield brother Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.